Welcome to the Living Faith Fellowship Conference podcast. The Living Faith Fellowship is a peer network of like-minded churches united under a single biblical authority and one common mission. You're about to hear a message from one of the many conferences hosted by the Living Faith Fellowship every year. We pray it's a blessing. All right, brothers and sisters, welcome Pastor Sabelli. Okay, thank you. Is this on? Can you hear me? Okay, could you stand with me and if you have a Bible, turn to Acts chapter 1. Awesome worship service. Thank you. Great spirit here. I think it's very interesting as Jesus is resurrected from the dead and appears for 40 days that he tells them he's going back. And that must have been quite interesting for them. They were just standing, gazing up. And then a couple angels had to come and say, why stand ye gazing up? This same Jesus who you see going up shall come back. They were like awestruck at it. And uh, then something happened in verse 14 that I think is really uh, amazing when it comes to prayer. I think prayer is something today that has been put on the back burner by churches and Christians and uh, what we see going on around the world. I've been in 110 countries, and uh, I hear the same thing in every place. But verse 14, these, here's the 11. These all continue with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and the number of names together was about 120. Father, thank you for this church. Thank you for the pastors here. Thank you for each member in particular. Thank you for the mission focus this time tonight. Thank you that you hear our prayers. You said you ever live to make intercession for us, Hebrews 7.25. And we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Thank you. Bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Some churches we have in the Sudan, they stand for the whole message because there are no seats. Are you here? Well, that was supposed to be a little bit like humorous, but I guess it didn't go very well. They stand for the whole service because there's no seats, you know. It's really great to see so many young people here. I guess everybody's young compared to us. My wife reminded me of the day that we're approaching 70. I said, I don't even think about it. I don't even think about it at all. It's just a figure. We're eternal. And the greatest missionary movement in the history of the world happened in the United States of America. It was J.R. Mott and the Student Volunteer Movement. It started in 1886 and continued for 50 years until 1936. 20,500 young people became missionaries. One-third went to Africa, one-third went to Asia, one-third went to America. And they sent out 410 missionaries a year. Can you imagine? Are you with me? You know how to say amen? I know you do. 410 a year, that's remarkable. That was, that was an incredible move of God. And with God, with prayer, and with young people, 
this can happen again. I met Christ in 1976. I had two major addictions in my life. One was narcotics. The other one was education. I had two addictions. One was narcotics. That was 15 years. And I had three university degrees. I had an education addiction. And when I got saved, I got delivered from both addictions. And that's great, isn't it? There's a lot of addictions that people don't even know their addictions today. It's really amazing. They have no idea what an addiction is. Something that they give their mind to continuously and they cannot come out of it. It becomes a pattern of thinking which actually becomes a decision-making pattern in their lives that sets them on a road to destruction. It's an addiction. And there are so many pornographic addictions today. It's shocking what goes on. People with technological addictions, they cannot focus. I, I mean, I can't even believe it. You go in the airport and nobody's looking at anybody. There's no human beings looking at each other or talking. They're just doing this. And I'm like old school. I don't even know what that is. I don't have a cell phone. Don't use a computer. Not interested. Not interested. I want my mind to function in my latter years. Don't take that wrong. I'm just joking. It's okay. But here they are in the book of Acts. And they're praying. They're of one accord. What else are they going to do? Jesus is gone. He's just, this is the plan. He's left. And here they are, the 11. And then they meet in an upper room with 120 people. And they begin to pray. And God begins to make a move in the book of Acts. I read a story the other day. It was really shocking. It was about a little girl. And her mother was dying of cancer. And so her father, who wasn't a believer, came home one night, and she was praying at her mother's bedside. So she was on one side of the bed praying, oh, Jesus, I pray you can touch my mother and heal my mother. She was a believer. Then she, went on, she got up and went on the other side of the bed, and she stood there and said, Mary, I hear your prayer. She just became the voice of Jesus himself. Then she went back and she said, thank you, Jesus, for, for hearing the prayer and healing my mother. And the father was watching this, and the mother got healed. She was totally delivered from cancer, and the father became a believer. You say, I don't believe you. It's not my problem what you believe or don't believe. I'm telling you what happened. And it's incredible what prayer can do. Somebody, my grandmother used to say, I'm praying for you. You are a horrific person, but I'm praying for you, that God's going to change your life. And I said, I'm not interested in God, and I'm interested in having my life change. I'm interested in doing exactly what I've been doing my whole life, so leave me alone. She goes, Stephen, I'm praying for you. She was like 90. I'm praying for you. And I'm like, God, leave me alone, will you? Just go to sleep. Can I get you some hot milk or something? Just go to sleep and leave me alone, you know? And really, when you, th when you think about prayer, because of how we think today and what goes on in churches today, you know, we had a conference one time in Uganda, and I had gotten the gift of a couple thousand dollars for advertising. And so we were going to advertise the convention on television and on the radio and then put up posters all throughout Kampala, the city of Kampala. You know Uganda, it's where Idi Amin reigned for many years and killed one million people. By the way, East Africa has had six million people slaughtered. It's, a, it's unbelievable. We've been working in East Africa since 1996, but there's been, there's been 6 million people killed in genocides. I was in, anybody ever see the movie Hotel Rwanda? I was in that hotel. Very interesting. 
was, I was in that country, Rwanda, and it's amazing what has taken place, what's going on there. So we said, like, they said, we're going to spend the money and we're going to have a great convention. Our first year we had 200 people. I said, I got an idea, but I'm going to leave it to you leaders because you're leading the church. I had already been there a number of years and turned it over, and the churches were being pastored by Ugandan pastors. And I said, but I just have an idea. Let me ask you a question. I want you to think about it all day today and then give me the answer tomorrow. Let's have a prayer meeting in the morning from 9 to 11, 1 to 3 in the afternoon, and 6 to 8 at night. Let's do that for three days, and those who can fast, let's fast. And they were looking at me like, yeah, but advertising, the newspaper, and all that. And then they came back the next day, and five of them agreed. Okay, let's try what you said. 750 people came to the convention. It went from 200 to 750. And we didn't do one bit of advertising. You know who brought the people? God brought the people. Are you with me? God brought the people. You say, what are you saying? I don't understand this. It's so, it's so interesting. We, we pray to an omnipotent, omniscient God. And he hears our prayers. And this is really, if you read the scriptures, it's incredible. We have uh, a story that we told the other night in church service about George Mueller. A five-year-old girl who lost her father and mother spoke to George Mueller and says, I have nobody to raise me up. And she was crying. And Mueller decided to start ministering to orphans. And Mueller was a man of prayer. 10,000 orphans he took care of in his lifetime. He educated 120,000 children, and he sent $150 million in support to hundreds of missionaries. How did that happen? Hmm? God. By asking God. I got delivered from the addiction, narcotics addiction by a simple prayer. God deliver me. And God delivered me. And I'm not talking about just a, an addiction to little this and little that. It was an addiction to everything you could think of. I mean, I was a drug container for decades, right? I thought drugs, used drugs, slept drugs, smelled drugs, sought drugs, fought drugs, paid for drugs. That's all I did. And God, in a second, delivered me because of prayer. Prayer. You know, the Apostle Paul has three prayers in the book of Ephesians, and they're amazing. His first prayer in Ephesians 1, 16, 17, 18, he says, I pray that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened, that you might know, I want you to know who you are in Christ. That was a prayer for the church of Ephesus. That's a prayer that I pray for people. Do you know who you are in Christ? His second prayer was Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 and on, and he was praying about them receiving the love of God in the body of Christ and the saints. Praying that you would know who you are and the importance of the church. Are you with me? Amen? And his last prayer in Ephesians chapter 6, he prayed that, he, and he used some amazing verses. By the way, I believe that some people say, why is there only six pieces of armor when God's number is seven? Because you didn't realize that the seventh piece of armor is prayer. Praying always with all supplication for all saints. And Paul was saying, and pray for me that I would open my mouth boldly for the gospel. 
boldly for the gospel. This is, this is so important, like just to be able to share the gospel with people. Pray for me, he said. Pray for me that my mouth would be open, that people would hear the gospel, that people would come to Jesus Christ. And this is how important it is just to be able to speak to God. We come to a throne of grace and we get grace to help in time of need. We've got a king who sits on the throne and God says, I just want you to ask. You know, people speak about nations. We just started the church in the capital of Iran. And people say, how does that happen? Pray. Pray that God just opens a door in Tehran, Iran, and we just sent four missionaries to that country. Interesting. Somebody said, you look like an Iranian. You should go. I said, I think I'll take that challenge up. It's never too late. By the way, Jonathan Goforth went on the mission field when he was 70 years old. And don't say, use that as an excuse to wait till you're 70. All right? At 70 years old, he went to Manchuria. He had more salvations and baptisms, 1,000, from his 70th birthday on that he had in his previous life. 1,000 people got converted and baptized in Manchuria. And by the way, you know what his missionary team was going to Manchuria? An invalid wife and a 14-year-old boy. That was his team. And Goforth had one eye. He had one eye, an invalid wife, and a 14-year-old. Wow, taking on Manchuria, and he was 70 years old. I went to the doctor the other day, and he blew my ear out, my left ear. He showed me something that was like a, a nickel in my ear. He says, I can hear out of this ear now. I can't believe it. It used to be like I had one eye and one ear. Now I got an, an ear back. It's incredible. He showed me what was in my ear. He said, this was in your ear. This is like a rock. Where did this come from? I said, I don't know. I think one time a camel spit at me, and maybe something went right in my ear from a camel. But um, 70 years old. He prayed, right? We pray. What could God do with a person? What can God do with an individual? What can God do with a denying Peter? With a doubting Thomas? Send them to India. It's all about prayer. Can God change? I said to my wife, you know, we, I talk about my, my kids. She goes, stop talking about your kids. They're 40. They're not kids anymore. They're married. They got kids. And I said, they're still my kids. She says, instead of talking to them, how about talking to God about them? Are you with me? You know, a lot of times we want to just talk to people about their problems, but I want to talk to God about whether I should talk to somebody. Speaking to God and, and, and seeing what God can do in our lives. The whole book of Acts, we talk about missions, it's all filled with prayer. Acts 2, 41 through 47. Acts chapter 3, verse 1, they went up at the hour of prayer. Acts 4, 31 through 34, prayer. Acts 5, 42, prayer. Acts 6, 1 through 7, prayer. Think about it. The whole book of Acts, which is the missionary book where churches were planted, it's all based on prayer. Acts 13, they ministered to the Lord and they were praying, and the Holy Spirit said, separate unto me, Saul and Barnabas, for the work I've called them to do. It's all about prayer. They're praying in Acts 12. They're praying in Acts 16. They're praying in Acts 23, 11. They're praying in Acts 27. It's all about praying to God. And God can use the, the littlest saint he can use some 
Our ministry began 50 years ago. Three women prayed for a ministry of the Bible and a man of God to be raised up in Maine, of all places, Maine. I, I went where this, this actually took place, and you could sneeze and miss the town. That's how small it was. And God raised up a pastor from that place 50 years ago, and here we are today in 80 countries with 615 churches. That's called what? Prayer. Prayer. Oh, but we're so technologically advanced and so sophisticated and so in tune with what the world's doing that the simplicity of the gospel. Watch this verse. 2 Corinthians 11, verses 1 through 4, he says... I fear lest Satan beguile you and corrupt you from the simplicity that is in Christ. And that doesn't mean Christ is simple. It means that which is clear and single and motive in God. That the enemy wants to corrupt us. You think Satan wants you to pray? You think he says, yeah, pray, go pray. It's awesome. He doesn't. You know what? He fears the newest, weakest saints' prayers because they're praying to an omnipotent God, an all-knowing God. Satan fears, fears those prayers. I can tell you about some prayers I prayed uh, under situations that were unbelievable that took place. I was preaching in the village one time, and Pastor Alfred can testify this. He wasn't there, but these things go on. I'm preaching in the village. No one had ever preached in this village before, and a woman comes at me, and she's walking on the air. She's above the ground. You say, ha ha, now I know he's really nuts. Am I right? Witches up in the air. I tell you, I, I, the sweat, you know, sweat's coming down, the knees are knocking. Jesus, help me. And I quoted one verse and dropped her to the ground. One verse she dropped to the ground and took off. It was, she was strange. She had this white hair that was stuck out straight. I wanted to ask her like where she got her hair done, but I thought that would be an inappropriate question at the, at the time that was going on. But we did what? We what? We prayed, right? We prayed. One time we were in a house that we could hear disembodied, and I'm not a Pentecostal, okay? I could, we could hear disembodied spirits going around the house in 1987 in Ghana. And we all got on our knees in the house, my wife, my children, the people that were with me, we prayed and it went away. Prayer. Oh, well, yeah, sure. Yeah, okay, pray. You know, and that's how we approach it. I pray. Oh, my, I need a job. Pray. I pray. I want my parents to change. Pray. I want my children to get saved. Pray. We want new souls to come in. Pray. Pray that people come, that God will bring people some of the hardest cases going. We prayed and God's opened up a door for us in public schools in Baltimore. And we're in there. We went over the city uh, Sunday night, 75 of us in the rain. And we prayed for the city of Baltimore. There's one out of every 10 people in Baltimore are heroin addicts. There's drug addiction everywhere. How can that change? You think programs are going to do it? You think counseling, psychology, psychi I've been there, done that, okay? I had so many degrees in that field. Are you kidding me? I ran a counseling center for years, and I had a 1,000 clients, a 1,000 different clients, psychotics, neurotics, drug addicts, men that thought they were women, women that thought they were men, uh, people that thought they were animals, insane people. One guy ate a Coke bottle. I said, you drink it. You don't eat the Coke bottle. 
he ate a Coke bottle. He cut it up and ate it. I'm like, wow, this is interesting cases. Interesting cases. Another guy swallowed a razor blade. I said, no, you do it out here. You don't, you don't shave on the inside. You know what changes these kind of cases and these kind of situations? What is it? Pray. Praying always with all supplication for all saints. And pray for me, he says. This is important. It's just my little voice, which is so powerful, speaking to God. God, help me. God, help me. God, change that person. God, change the atmosphere where I work. God, keep my car from having flat tires. I've got some flat tires in some interesting places that you just don't want to be getting flat tires in. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Nope. God, keep my car moving. God, pay my bills. Can God take care of your finances? Oh, I didn't hear a resounding yes on that one. Can God take care of your finances? Thank you. God can take, can God take care of your church financially? Can God take care of your health? Yeah. I had cerebral malaria and I was urinating black. They said he's dead. I said, oh, really? In my mind, I said, oh, really? Yeah, they say, when you urinate black, it means your body shut down. And my wife said, we're praying, and here I am. Then I had a stroke. I had a stroke. In, um, I was in Maui. Was it Maui? Maui. Yeah, Maui, then I had a stroke. I, I, I preached five Sunday morning messages, and the fifth message was, what more could be done in my vineyard that hasn't already been done, and I went down. And they took me to the hospital, and I was brain dead. And I came back to Johns Hopkins. You know Johns Hopkins? Best hospital, they say, in the world. I'm in Johns Hopkins with the best neurological doctor. His name is Robert Early. He's the best in the country. He does kings and all that. He says, let me show you your brain. He pulled the scan down and said, all that's gone. I said, you mean I got all that left? He goes, you can never, you'll never be able to do what you do again. I said, I got a better doctor than you, and he's also a Jew. And his name is Jesus. And you know what happened? I got up in the pulpit to, to pray at service one time, and God reconnected my brain. I could feel it happening. It was coming. My brain, the synapses were snapping together. If you know anything about medical, you know what I'm talking about. It's true. And God gave it all back, every bit of it. Because God hears what? God what? God hears prayer. So as we pray tonight, as we pray this week, let's pray that God touches people. God says to somebody, Bible college. You got a great Bible school. I was looking at the brochure today. We're talking about Bible school. These 20,500 student volunteer movement, they had, an, they had a motto, and it was foreign missions, not career ambitions. That hurts, that hurts sometimes, doesn't it? Yeah, oh, I got an ambition to be this and to be that. I had a lot of ambition. It all went out the door when I met Christ. And I got a new life. Foreign missions. Now, God could call people to be trained. You could, I mean, missionaries are needed in Kansas City, in the church here, ministering to people, seeing people get raised up right in this city, right in our country today. It's incredible. Bible college, training, hearing the word, learning the word, saying what God could, what could God do with my life? You have so many years ahead of you. Some of us are creeping towards certain time periods, you know. And uh, they say, what is it, 70 and then 80 if you're blessed? 
I said to my wife, I don't like that 70 thing. You know, Psalm 90 says, you know, 70 years and maybe 80, and I'm looking at 70, I'm counting the days. One night I was lying next to my wife. I said, I wonder how many more nights I have to sleep. She goes, shut up and roll over. Stop talking like that. You should have been dead long ago anyway. So let's, let's believe God in prayer tonight, okay? And that means I can pray to God about my own situation. Are you with me? I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how I'll ever get out of this one. God does. God knows how you'll get out of it, doesn't he? He just says, come to me. I love you. I want to minister to you. I want to help you. I can change something in a moment of time. In a moment of time. I mean, I know I'm going long, but I just want to, there's one more story. I was in Ghana, West Africa, and I had brought 17 people. I rented a house and bought all the furniture, and I went down to get an extension on my visa. And the guy said to me, the immigration guy said to me, do you know that you needed to have a visa, a permanent visa, before you came to this country? You're here with a tourist visa. He says, you're out. He says, number two, you're out because of the law. Number two, I'm a Muslim, and you're out because I don't like Christians. And number three, I don't like Americans, so you're finished. On th three strikes, and you're gone. I said, wow. I got the house, the furniture. 17 people moved in, right? Everybody raised their support. I said, can I go to the bathroom for a minute? He said, yeah. I went to the bathroom. I prayed, God, you have three choices. Convert him, transfer him to another country, or kill him. I don't care what you do. The choices are yours. Convert him. That's the best. Send him to another country or finish him. So I went back a week later and he was in England. He was replaced by a Christian immigration officer. And I stayed, I'm still there 30 years later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I got, I got arrested and, and, and a judge took my case and the judge died. And the second judge took my case, and then he died, and they said, case is over. We ain't trying this guy. We're letting him go. He's free. So, Prayer, right? We pray. We, now, I'm not asking, don't pray like that, that somebody would, you know, whatever. But I'm just saying, God hears prayers. Amen? You're here because people prayed. We are in Baltimore on a street called Moravia Park Drive. You know what the, you know what the Moravians did? regardless of what they believed and all that, they had a prayer chain 24 hours a day, seven days a week for 100 years, men and women. And we're on Moravia Park Drive in Baltimore. We are the answer to their prayers, one of them. It's amazing. We just pray. Simply ask. Ask of me, and I'll give you the nations for your inheritance. So many people are so worried about the nations and politics and all this nonsense that's going on. I could care less. I'm in another kingdom. What do I care about what's going on on Fox News or CNN or what's happening in politics? I'm in another kingdom. And Jesus doesn't have to be elected. He's already chosen. He's the elect one. He's not running for any, uh, anything at all. People are running from him. He's not running for anything else. So let's do what? We pray for our country. We pray for our city. We pray for our state. We pray for our family. We pray in our own lives. We pray for souls. We pray for people to be delivered. We pray. And God says, call upon me, Jeremiah 33, 1-3, and I will answer and show you great and mighty things that you know not of. He says in Ephesians 3, 
20:21. He says, unto him who was able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond what you could ask or think according to the power that works in you. To him be glory in the church. God will do way beyond. Way beyond. I thought about that. I want to plant the church in Ghana. Now there's 214 churches in Africa in, in 25 countries. I was thinking like, I don't even know if I can handle one thing. And God said, I'm going to take it what? Exceedingly abundantly above and beyond. It's going way beyond what you could even imagine could take place. Amen? Okay, Father, thank you tonight. Thank you. Thank you that we can ask of you. We have George Mueller's God. We have the Apostle Paul's God. We have the Apostle's God. We have Moses's God. And we're praying to him tonight. We thank you tonight. As Elijah told his servant, go again seven times. We just keep praying. Never give up on any situation. We pray. We pray. Ananias was praying, saw a vision, and God told him to go to Damascus, Straight Street, to Judas's house, for one Saul of Tarsus is praying. And that was one of the most monumental meetings that ever happened. Saul of Tarsus meeting Ananias. And from that point, it's amazing what took place in the church. People were praying and Saul got converted. And the Apostle Paul took the message. Thank you. The church prayed and Peter was released from prison. Lydia was on her way to a place of prayer and she met the Apostle Paul. They were praying in Acts 16. And the jailer got saved in his whole house. Thank you. We pray tonight, God. Touch our lives. Thank you. Touch this church. Touch this ministry. Touch all these churches that are participating in this days, this seminar, this missions focus. The pastors, protect them. Pastors' families, their marriages. Cover them, bless them. The children, the youth, young people. God, put it on people's hearts to say yes to God. Yes to God. Oh God, to live for self is so difficult. But you said my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Can we just come to you? Come unto me, he says. Thank you. There's people that are here. Maybe Bible school is knocking at their door. Missions knocking at their door. A prayer life. Sharing the message of the gospel. Being a part of their ministry and growing in that more and more with a new purpose to glorify God. We thank you tonight. We pray that you bless our time tonight. Thank you for people that are here and so dedicated to just help out fixing up, cleaning up the building. 
We pray that you would have the hand of grace upon this ministry. Ezra said the good hand of God was upon him. It was said so many times in Nehemiah and Ezra, the good hand of God. Thank you that your good hand is upon this ministry. We pray that you'd help us, God. Pray a prayer tonight and trust God for the answer. Maybe it's you pray for personal growth. Maybe for an illumination, an understanding of the church. Ephesians 1, Paul prayed, their eyes would be opened, the eyes of their understanding enlightened. Pray that you would see who you are in Christ. Pray that you would see the church, the love, the fellowship. Pray that God would give souls to you and the church personally. Pray that God would be glorified. Pray for this city. Pray against demonic activity against this city. Daniel chapter 10, angels came. Daniel was on his face. Daniel prayed, Daniel 6. We pray, God, for Kansas City. We pray for the United States of America. God, touch our country with spiritual life that comes from above. Deliver people from religious spirits, from atheism, agnostics, all the isms that are on this planet. Father, we thank you today. Thank you that you hear our prayers. Thank you. Charles Spurgeon said, prayer is like pointing a cannon towards heaven. Nothing can stop it. Thank you. Hear the request of each one that's here tonight. Reconciliations. Deliverance. There's the addiction of self. Deliverance from an addiction of self because we are crucified with Christ. The old man is crucified. Oh God, I don't want to serve a dead man. Help us, God. We need help. You said we can get grace to help in time of need. Help us. We can't do this. We can't live for you without your life. Give us your life on a daily basis. Thank you, Jesus. Bless our night in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope this message was a blessing to you. If you're interested in learning more about the Living Faith Fellowship, visit lffellowship.com. God bless.